1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: God is saying to Ezekiel, are a perfect symbol of death and no hope of return to life of all the body parts to fill a valley with, dry bones were for this purpose perfect, better than dry ears, better than dry eyeballs, they're dry bones, no hope of life. So Ezekiel there is surrounded by death, he's surrounded by death, and then he's got this question which for him is just, he, he doesn't know what to say. And furthermore, it's how God framed that question to Ezekiel. He didn't just say Ezekiel, can these bones live? He said, "Son of man, can these bones live?" Now, sorry about it before. Except for the book of Daniel where the Lord Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man, every place in the Old Testament where the term is in English Son of Man is not a true translation of the original Hebrew text. The Hebrew does not say son of man. The Hebrew only says son of man in the book of Daniel and it's referring to the Lord Jesus. But whenever it says son of man in the Old Testament, referring to people, man, it doesn't say son of man. It says son of Adam, son of Adam. So verse three is really saying son of Adam, can these bones live? Well, what does it mean to be called the son of Adam? What's so what? So he's called the son of Adam. What's the difference between the son of man? There is a difference. There is a difference. Why? Because Adam has a particular association in the Bible. Romans 5.14 tells us, Romans 5.14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. Romans 5.12, Romans 5.12, wherefore, as by one man Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. So think about that. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. Death started with Adam. That's Romans 5.14. Romans 5.12 says, As by one man sin had entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed, passed upon all men. So in other words, Adam is associated with death. That's where death started in that one man. And death passed by sin, and death passed upon all men. So the sons of Adam are sons of death. Adam is associated with death, and the sons of Adam are associated with death. That one man, that one man Adam, brought into the world sin and death on all men, So to be called the son of Adam is to be called the son of death. So in verse 3, Ezekiel might as well have heard God say, son of death, can these bones live? And you and I, we remember our days before B.C., before Christ, and each one of us, before the Lord Jesus Christ, when we were described in that term as son of death in Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 12.2.12, it describes it that way where it says that at that time, You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. As we listen to the, the, that was us. We were son of Adam. We were son of death. We listen to the lost today and we think we were like that. And Ezekiel thinks of this question of whether the bones could live and Ezekiel Ezekiel is saying to Joseph, well, what am I going to do? Can these bones live? What am I supposed to do? Crack a bone open and see if maybe I missed it? There was some sign of life, any marrow at all? God says, son of death, can these bones live? Ezekiel is saying, Ezekiel, what, what, what are the chances? Like the question, you know, what are the chances for the resurrection of Christ? Zero. What are the chances these bones can live? Zero. What are the chances that nothing exploded and we have a perfect universe and somehow this universe, inanimate objects, organize themselves into life and we have beautiful us? Zero, zero. Son of man, can these bones live? So Ezekiel feels when he gets this question, helpless. He feels utterly helpless. How can I answer a question like that from God? Adonai, Jehovah, you alone know, you alone know is saying, I don't know if these bones can live, but one thing I do know, I do know, Matthew 19, 26, Matthew 19, 26, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Everything's possible. And Matthew 3, 9, Matthew 3, 9, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So whether it's making dry bones live or making stones be the children of Abraham or or anything, nothing's impossible with God. So Ezekiel is saying in verse three, Lord, I don't know if these bones can live, but I know how these bones might live. Lord, I don't know when these bones will live. So Ezekiel is just saying, I don't know, but you know. I don't know, but you know when we want a lost person to be saved, we ask the same questions. I don't know if this lost person will be saved. I don't know how this lost person is gonna be saved. I don't know when this lost person will be saved. But one thing I do know is that God can save him. God can save him. Oh, Lord, God, thou knowest. Lord, I don't know. God, Jehovah, thou knowest. Now, there's a lot of drama going on here. And the question in Ezekiel's mind is, what does this all mean? What am I supposed to to gain by this? After all, Ezekiel has been called to be be prophet to Israel in Ezekiel 3. And now he's in the middle of this this, uh, this dramatic lesson that he doesn't understand. So now God brings this, this whole scene to perfect crystal clarity in verse 11, when he says, these bones, Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. These bones are the whole house of Israel. This valley represents how the Jewish people have kept themselves separated from other people, which by and large they have down through the, through the centuries. These dry bones represents a death toward God on the part of the Jewish people. The great number of these dry bones represents the all of Israel. As he said in verse 11, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The hopelessness of the bones to self-generate into life represents how the hope for life for the Jewish people does not reside in themselves. Jewish people yearn for hope. It's the, it's, the, it's the national anthem for the state of Israel, HaTikvah, the hope. Where is it? And as the song goes on for the national anthem, in every Jewish heart, there is a hope. There is a yearning. And so he's saying here, there is these dry bones represent that in themselves, There is no hope of life. And so then God turns to Ezekiel and says, okay, Ezekiel, you have passed the first course. You have gone through the first course of Dry Bones 101. And the first course is there is death. The first course is there is death in the whole house of Israel. The first course is there is no hope that life can come from within themselves. Now we'll go to the second course, and I will tell you exactly how these bones will live. I will tell you how. If there's any way for these bones to live, it's through this way. And here's the way, Ezekiel, in verse 4. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So Ezekiel is told there's only one hope for these bones so that they're going to be able to live. They, you have to speak to the dry bones and they have to, you have to speak the word of God to them and they have to hear the word of God. Twice in this passage, God told Ezekiel to speak to dry bones and to address them as dry bones. God told Ezekiel exactly what he was to say to the dry bones. Verse four, again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these dry bones and say unto them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse seven, that was verse four. Verse 12, verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and bring you, in, bring, bring you into the land of Israel. He's supposed to speak to dry bones. I mean, that's like you and I doing something insane, like going down to the hospital, to the basement, to the morgue, and, 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 and finding a dead corpse and saying, oh, dead corpse, hear God's word. I mean, that's kind of like the picture, only it's a little worse. It's not even, it's not even dried up bones. If we did that, the, the pathologist would, would, would call the psych services. And we can imagine Ezekiel saying to himself, preach to dry bones? Call them by the name dry bones? They can't hear me. They're just dry bones. Is that what you want me to do, Lord? You want me to speak to dry bones? And God said, that's exactly what I want you to do. Speak to the bones. And what am I supposed to say to the bones? And he says, what you're supposed to say to the bones is bones here. I'm giving the bones the capacity to hear the word of God. It's called the word of life. So hear the word of life. So God told Ezekiel, the only hope for these bones is if they hear the word of God. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's all about the Bible. It's all about hearing the word of God. As it says in Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How should they believe in him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? We think that we can convince a lost person to believe if we just tell them our testimony or we, we got a story we can tell them. We think it's going to go, this this lost, it's going to persuade this lost. I know it can. And we're so wrong. It's the word of life. It's the word of God. It's the Bible. That's what has the power to persuade and convince the lost to come to God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Where's the gospel of Christ? In the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. As we just read, Romans 10.14, how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? They haven't heard. What's necessary for a person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? He has to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how a person hears from the Lord. It doesn't matter how. You know, I I have a friend, an Orthodox rabbi friend, and um, he's always trying to get me to come back into the tent, as he says at the ohel, oh which amends the tent of Judaism. Come back, Tom, come back. You've left the tent. Come back in. Come be part of us again. Join the Jewish people again. Forget about Jesus' stuff, what he's always saying to me. He says, you poor little... You're a poor little boy. He said, when you were growing up, you didn't have a Jewish education. Oh, so sad. You know, you went to temple and you did the thing you had to do, but you never studied. You don't know the Talmud, he says to me. So recently I said to him, okay, you're right. I don't know the Talmud. You know the Talmud. You can teach me the Talmud, but I'll tell you something. You don't know the New Testament, and I can teach you the New Testament told him. So I said, why don't we do this? One day I'll sit with you on the phone and you be the teacher. I'll be the student. And you teach me the Talmud. I'll be a good student. I'll listen. I won't argue. I said, we'll do that one day. The next day we reverse the roles. I'll be the teacher. You'll be the student. And I'll teach you the New Testament. He said, fine, great. Because he's thinking he's going to learn the Talmud. And I'm thinking he's going to learn the New Testament. And so that's how we're proceeding on. Because, why? Because the New Testament is the word of God. The New Testament is the word of God. It's about the Lord Jesus. And it doesn't matter if a person is reading it from a I want to know point of view or from a critical point of view. There's power. There's power in the word. So, Ezekiel is told, hear the word of the Lord. Then God told Ezekiel the reason that the bones would live. He said in verse five, "Thus saith the Lord God, unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live." So God wanted Ezekiel to understand that if these bones are going to live, it's only going to be for one reason, and it's what I keep on going back to what Scott and Lydia just saying, "Empty that thou shouldst fill me." In verse five, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you will live. Verse fourteen. Put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. Man, after he was created at creation, was not a living soul. He was formed out of the dust. But it's very specific about how man became a living soul. In Genesis 2-7, Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Well, that's pretty graphic. God makes man out of the dust of the earth, and then God puts his mouth over the nostrils of man and breathes into him the breath of life, and that's how man became a living soul. Man was made, but man didn't have life. Man looked like he was alive, but he was not alive until God breathed into him the breath of life the living soul he became and that's why the that breath that God breathed is called the breath of life the breath of life it's a breath that gave man life a lost person today has a pulse his body's alive but in his soul it's dead his soul is dead it's not alive Until Ephesians 2.1, until Ephesians 2.1, you hath he made alive, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, dead, walking in lockstep with the interests of the world, with the beliefs of the world. So Job put this difference between body life and soul life when he said in Job three four, Job 33.4, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So the sequence for Ezekiel, the preacher, he preaches the word of God, and then the lost hear the word of God, And then God breathes into the lost his breath of life. And that's how they transform from being dead to life. Verse 6, and I will put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. What happens is, you shall know that I am the Lord. This is so important. It's repeated three times. Repeat it in verse 6, you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 13, you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 14, you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it. What's the big deal to knowing I am the Lord? The reason it's so important is because it represents the great change in the whole house of Israel. There's one person that unites all the Jewish people. One person that unites all the Jewish people. It's not Moses. It's not the Messiah. There's one person that unites all the Jewish people. As you know, I set out to become an Israeli citizen under the Israeli right of return, the law of return, which gives every Jew the right to become an Israeli citizen quickly. And in that process, I had my citizenship interview with the Jewish agency in Los Angeles And I was asked one defining question and one deciding question. And the question was, do you believe Jesus was God? That was it. You can believe in Buddha, that's fine. You can be a Jew. You can believe that there's no God. Ah, Join the 80% of the rest of the Israelis, that's fine. You can believe in Hare Krishna, that's okay, you can be a Jew. But you cannot believe in Jesus and be a Jew. That's the one person that unites all the Jewish people to be against. That's it. There's only one central belief among all the Jews. Ask the Jews, what does it mean to be a Jew? Oh, nobody has. (laughs) What does it mean to not be a Jew? Can a Christian be a Jew? Oh, 100%. Cannot be a Jew if you believe in Jesus. And the question that all the Jews have is the question that Paul asked God in Acts 9.5. Acts 9.5. When Paul said, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, God? Who is God? Is there God? And if there is, who is he? That's the question. And the answer that came to him in Acts 9.5, Acts 9.5, he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. And this is what the Jewish people will gain when verse 6 of Ezekiel uh, 27, when verse 6 happens, uh, 37, Ezekiel 37, 6, I will put breath in you, you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Life will come to the Jewish people when the knowledge comes that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Adonai, Jehovah. So all this emphasis. On Israel, knowing who God is comes as new life, comes to Israel. Reminds me of a conversation that I had with the wife of a Jewish um, Orthodox rabbi. And I told her that uh, because I knew who the Lord was, because I knew who the Lord Jesus Christ was, her reply was, you know who God is? I don't know who God is. And the reason that no one can know who God is is they can't because you only can see God When you see Jesus, it says in John 1.14, John 1.14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld, we saw his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Corinthians 4.6, 2 Corinthians 4.6 further emphasizes it when it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, have shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Another wonderful day
1: studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.